Welcome to Multifamily AP 360, the show where we discuss 360-degree views on mindset, passive, and active multifamily investment. If you're looking for tips and strategies, or just want to learn from the experiences of others, both good and bad, then listen on. This is Multifamily AP 360 with your host, Ramakrishna Chunchu. And today's our guest is Carlson Castilla from Amber Asset Management. Welcome, Carlson. Hey, Rama. Thanks for having me. Sure. Thank you very much. A little bit about Carlson. Carlson began his career supporting a nationwide team of multifamily loan originators for PJM Real Estate Finance as a finance analyst. Carlson then moved into the asset management and acquisition role for a Denver-based private equity real estate firm managing a 200 million portfolio of industrial, retail, and commercial assets throughout the U.S. Carlson graduated with a BA in economics and business from Hampton Sydney College, Virginia. So with that, Carlson, you want to add anything to your background? Yeah, I've worked with big groups. I've worked with small groups, medium-sized group. I think I've kind of moved into my niche of working with that smaller to growing and medium-sized firms. And, you know, having been at some of these these larger firms, I've gotten to see how institutional groups build out their systems. And so that's a big part of why we're here today is we're trying to bring that capability to everybody in, in our space. Great. Awesome. So how did you get into like real estate space and then, you know, asset management space? Grew up wanting to do real estate. My father has been involved in the industry for you know as long as I can remember. So family trips when I was eight or nine, I remember, you know, Swinging through Denver, actually, you know, on our way out to go skiing, I remember stopping off and checking out some sites. And that was always kind of a part of me and my brother's you know, experiences with, with their father. And now we all are in real estate, I mean, you know, kind of following in his footsteps and we're working with him and his peers, the people that we, you know, grew up respecting a lot in our community. So we, we've all, I think my entire family, you know, just kind of real estate family always wanted to be involved. Asset management in particular, I was, yeah, I was working with PGM doing real estate debt knew that I wanted to kind of be on the other side of the transaction, more on the, the ownership side. Uh, took, a, took a role out here in Denver when, when I first moved here five years ago, took a role with that mid-sized private equity firm. You know, we rolled out a lot of great reporting things there on the asset management side. Meanwhile, you know, we were looking at acquisitions on a daily, weekly basis. So just got some great exposure right out of the gates. They needed, they were growing and growing pretty quick at the time. So we were a team of three analysts at that point in time. We were covering all of their deals. So systems became absolutely essential to be able to, to manage at that scale with such a small team. So built out a lot of systems. That's where I just really learned, dove into and learned Excel because just had to wear a lot of hats. And yeah, about a year later, started my own firm. I've been doing acquisitions and underwriting for a different group, doing some asset management in general over the last two years, but really started focusing in on this platform that we're building right now in the last couple of months here. Awesome. Great. Thank you. So what makes you start you know, your own asset management company? Seeing the space, you know, I, I know a lot of syndicators out there who they're great at getting a deal closed, but no one's really ever showed them or told them like, you know, what do you do afterwards? You know, what what does that look like moving forward? I mean, everybody I know in the space has a 
acquisition model there's all this you know discussion about ooh, like whose acquisition model do you use but i mean the real question is like, i mean whose asset management model are you using like where are you keeping track of how your deal is doing because realistically we're not in the environment we were before from 2014 through 2022 where cap rates are going to come down and you know bail you out if you are not staying on top of your project so we wanted to build something that would empower, you know, our friends in the space that own and operate their, their own deals. We wanted to build something that would empower them to keep track of everything going on with these deals because, you know, one, it's the right thing to do. And two, having that level of insight is typically something that either takes an extraordinary amount of time or is just something that's only accessible at the institutional level with some of the options that they have that cost, you know, 50 to 100,000 a month. We wanted to change that. We wanted to bring a tool to the market for everyone that would be accessible from a price standpoint, but also to provide that institutional level of accountability to operators and to property managers. Thank you very much for doing that. So share me some, you know, key features of your product. How exactly, you know, operators or apartment syndicators can benefit from it or any other operators like any other asset classes can also use uh, this tool. Yeah, so we have not built it out for any other asset classes. We're, you know, you, you can do a lot of things in a mediocre way or you can do one thing really well. We're trying to focus on let's do one thing really well. Let's get our name out there in that space. And then, you know, we can start talking about how this tool could be used for, for other groups, specifically self-storage. We think self-storage would probably be the first natural other space to move into. But as far as the current program goes, we're only really doing multifamily. And I'd say some key features to the product is going to be how we're able to dissect the the rent roll on an ongoing monthly basis. It's probably the densest and worst formatted financial documents. We've all seen them. We all know how tragic it can be when a broker sends you on an acquisition, like a PDF of a rent roll, and you got to convert it or, you know, find someone like me who knows how to convert it, get that worked into your model, or you're just hard coding data points into that model. That was kind of the first thing that we went after and attacked. We wanted to make sure that we could consistently get rent rolls into the format that we needed them. And then we had to figure out how to, from the format, we could get them into the model and database the information in. Needed to figure out kind of, I mean, honestly, I've been building Excel formulas for eight, 10 years now, something like that. And I had to go to, to square one with some of the approaches we had to take to algorithmically extract data points from these things. But I've, I've been incredibly happy with the results of what we're able to now do and the insights we're able to derive from rent rolls. I, you know, I, I've worked with groups that have some very expensive products on an asset management level. And I'm pretty confident, uh, very confident, in fact, that what I've built is stronger than those products. Some of my favorite KPIs that we're doing right now, I really like our lease roll statistics. We can break unit inputs out by uh, unit type and then subclassify them by renovation level. So let's say we've got like, you know, 40 A1 units on site at a property, 10 of them are renovated. We, we can take out of those, you know, 30 classics, we can look at the trailing six and look at what's been happening with the classic rents. We've been looking at what's have been happening with renewal rates. We can also look at the retention ratio on those renewal rates versus, you know, and then how that compares to the market rent expectations. We can also compare that to 
what the renovated rent looks like on those units. We know how long units, like what kind of downtime to expect for those renovations and what they cost. So we can, you know, really quickly back into, all right, in the common three months, we've got eight of these 40 units are expiring uh, on their leases. Six of those are classic. We can pretty clearly play out how those three months are going to go and what approach should be taken to maximize your NOI, whether or not some of those units should be renovated, whether or not some of those units, you know, if we should push rents a little bit higher on some of the renewals, except a slightly lower than average retention ratio, but above industry average, you name it, the sky's the limit. We can derive those insights from, from these data points though now, which is just, you know, excellent in my opinion. Can we use this tool for marketing space and also renovations or constructions on site also? Absolutely. All of our outputs, you know, we're pretty flexible with our clients. Like if they need a specific output or, you know, they want to talk through some new thoughts on some KPIs they want to look into. I mean, that's honestly, that's one of my favorite things in the world is when someone comes to me with some new ideas. I love it. I love a problem. I love getting to solve a problem, something complex, especially one of our clients brings us a new set of problems to like, Hey, can we track this? I'm like, let's find out. Um, And I I just absolutely love diving in and figuring out, okay, like here's the document we're going to need. Here's how we need to configure it. And then here are the formulas to track that. Here's the new report. And then as far as like, yeah, marketing concessions goes, I guess if your question more specifically, are you talking like how to plan out marketing budgets and concession budgets? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. I may have gone on a slight tangent there. Just get get a little excited about this stuff from time to time. Yeah, so absolutely. We're keeping track of all of your economic vacancy factors. We're keeping track of what the net results of those items are in terms of, you know, just their impact on the NOI. And then, yeah, if we're seeing like a lag, like we, we have a property where we were seeing a lag on the large one bedroom, one bath rents. And we knew that we had 14 of them expiring two months. So we went ahead and proactively got in touch with the property managers. We're like, look, the property is 98% occupied. These unit type or this unit type in specific, it's 80% occupied. Why is that? You know, when we're going on these tours, like just start sending us notes when someone tours this unit what happened on that tour? Like, why are they not leasing this unit? Come to find out that our rent was just, you know, 25 bucks too high. So we dropped our rents, put a couple loss leaders out there, some of the classic ones, got them filled up. But when you're just looking at the combined occupancy, you know, you see like 96, 97%, okay, yeah, everything's fine. But the bottom line is we were leaving money on the table and my tool found that and, you know, led us to the conclusion of what we needed to do to increase our NOI and grow what we were able to distribute that year. Can we also track like, you know, renovations, like, you know, unit level and costs and all the expenses? So cost is going to be, it's a slightly separate discussion. Um, Really hard to clearly take that off of the T12 because property managers, like those numbers are moving around a lot. So we do need some additional reporting from our owners to be able to keep track of that. But yeah, I mean, your ROI on improvements is exceptionally important, whether or not you're spending money in the right places matters, especially now where you're borrowing that money at eight and a half percent. I cannot express how important it is to know what you're spending and what you're getting out of it. So yeah, we keep track of on a monthly basis, if a unit's been renovated or not, we have kind of you know, fair, fairly automated ways of doing that. We may have to work with the property manager to have them set up their rent roll in a more market standard way if they aren't already, but we haven't had that issue too many times to date. Uh, but yeah, as I was saying though, you know, we can keep track of what's been spent on CapEx and what the net results have been and, you know, which units are making the, you know, the best targets. Thank you. 
can we also use this tool for you know due diligence during pre-acquisition side you know we are probably going to roll out like a call it like an onboarding service dd service where we go in and we audit we help like audit all of the financials audit your acquisition model your business plan make sure that everything checks out, you know, we can be there you know, through that closing process and, you know, help in supporting a team get through that. Certainly, like if you own a deal and you're buying another deal down the road from it, I mean, you're going to love the insights that you can get from our tool and, and what it's going to be able to do for you in underwriting your next deal in that market. I'm not joking when I say that we keep track of just about everything we could possibly think to keep track of for these deals. So, you know, it turns into a absolutely wonderful repository of data to look back for any new pursuits in the general area. Got it. Thank you. Can we integrate this tool with like, you know, property management software like RD or, you know, other tools? Yeah, we already are working with Yardi, Resmin, Appfolio, um, just to name a few. I, you know, having underwritten... I must have underwritten like four or $5 billion in transaction volume while I was at Prudential from the debt side of things, then acquisition on my own right on behalf of my clients. At this point, I don't even know. I've probably input around 4,000 rent rolls though in my tenure at this point. If not 10, I don't know. It'd be really hard to say. But the bottom line there is I've seen every type of report that can be generated across the country by any operator. I've seen them all. I know what they look like. So I built our inputs as common language as possible, similar to how I build my acquisition models realistically, where I just know that I can get to what I need from the data from no matter who sends it. So yeah, we built it as common language and malleable as possible. Got it. Who are the ideal customers who can use this tool? We wanted to target, you know, syndicators over a hundred unit per deal looking to grow, but, you know, understand how important asset management is and just know that it's also excruciatingly time consuming to do it right. We want to be a true partner to our clients. We want to you know, we want to be there and be helping at any given point. So looking for someone who understands, yeah, that this is something that they need to be doing. Their investors are going to absolutely love the reports that we're able to generate for. They're going to love the accountability and insights into how their investment, you know, which for, you know, these syndicators, I mean, they're investors. These are people who this could be their kid's college fund, you know, like this stuff matters a lot. And we've had an incredible response from the investors of groups that we're working with of just absolutely loving getting to see what they're seeing from us on a monthly basis. But yeah, so I mean, I would say, you know, sub 2000 units, typically, uh, once you hit over 1500, 2000 units in a portfolio, it becomes a slightly separate discussion, we would look at more of like an enterprise structure or software as a service structure, wherein we are providing training and the tool itself to the client. And, you know, they're working in it with one of their own employees, because the, the pricing starts to the way we're trying to price ourselves is to be cheaper than bringing on an employee. I mean, at that size, we start to kind of hit a wall with, are we cheaper than an employee or not? Or it doesn't make sense for these guys to have their own employee and, you know, pay us, you know, less and they, they do the work themselves, but we provide the tool. We're happy to talk with anybody. We want to work with everybody. We have some tools for sale for, you know, small operators that have a, a couple 16, 24 unit deals because we also think that this is important for those guys as well. So we have, you know, self-service one-off tools for that, that, that we've been developing as well, just so that we want to be able to work with everyone across the space. So would you share any best experiences so far implementing, you know, Amber Asset Management tool? Yeah, I mean, developing it has just been so much fun. 
I'd say like top three, one of them was getting to call out a pretty crummy property manager that was just kind of phoning it in. Got to call them out real hard on, on some accountability items because they, you know, before no one was keeping track of it. Now, you know, we were, and we had a, a benchmark to say like, look, like it's just not getting done. And, and here's how badly you're not getting it done. So that was, that was pretty fun. Not that I like, you know, shaming people or uh, getting people in trouble, but you know, accountability is, is good in, in general. Another top three would be, you know, the, the response that we've gotten from limited partners in, in the deals that we're reporting on right now have absolutely, you know, just play, placed a lot of value in the reactions that we've gotten there. Cause they love the product. They love what they're able to see about the deal. Cause again, you know, it might be a $50,000 check, but it might be the only one that they're able to write. And it might mean the world to them to know what's going on with that investment because it, it truly is, you know, they're all accredited investors and everything, but it means a lot more to some people than, than you might realize. And then final, yeah, just best experience, just building this thing out. I love math. I love problem sets. I love, you know, problems with with solutions. You know, like I, I never really liked English class where you write a paper and depending on how your English teacher felt about you, that was your grade. Math was always cold, hard beta. You either got to the right answer the right way, or you got there the wrong way, or you didn't get there at all. So I, I've always loved math and I, I love what we're able to do with it for our clients here. Yeah, got it. Cool. And any challenging experience in implementing or developing this tool? Honestly, all of it was hard. I had the model up and was able to, you know, again, I'm just on my phone today here because I'm having some laptop troubles. I've got some formulas that I had never even in a million years thought I would be able to figure out how to to build them. Things that are, you know, dynamically resizing the data sets that they're drawing on based off of prompts from, you know, all across the model that are derived from, you know, other prompts, just some incredibly complex things that I just love. Like as soon as you get it working and you hit that, you know, but it's, it's been the entire thing other than maybe our input for the leasing tracking, you know, we're just, we're pulling down the leasing summary for the month and we input five numbers off of there. And then we graph those five numbers and we look at a trend over, you know, certain periods. That's the simplest one we have in there. Still satisfying, still great to see the data, but everything else, you know, the way that we're synthesizing data from multiple points in time and, and different sources, it's all been a challenge, but, you know, we're here today and pretty confident in, very confident in where we've gotten it to. So how do you see your company or your product next two to five years? Where do you see? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we want to help everyone who needs help right now. That's our first and foremost goal is to get ourselves out there, find the people who are struggling in this market and bring this tool to them as, you know, a step in the right direction to get get their asset where it needs to be. Because again, you know, we're, we're not in a we are not in a cap compression environment. We are in a cost inflation environment. We are in a cap expansion market. That is never, that has not cost this much in, I think since 2000, I forget which year it was. It, it's been a long time since we've seen debt where we have debt today. That's making it extremely challenging, especially when you were buying deals at low four caps, high three caps in these markets that, yeah, everything looked great, but you know, the things have changed and we've, we've got some, 
some things that we need to sort out now. And, you know, the accountability needs to be there to be able to get those deals across the finish line, whether or not it may be on time. And that's, that remains to be seen, but you know, you gotta, you gotta keep these things alive and you gotta know what's going on with them so you can address the problems as they come up. So yeah, next two to five years, we just want to get out there. We want to help as many people through this time as we can. Long-term, we want to build a investment platform into this company, something where we can co-invest with the sponsors that we work with and like and trust, something where we can uh, you know, raise funds into, yeah, just a pool that we're, that we're able to deploy into deals and have that, you know, knowing that we have that oversight in the deal of what's going on. And we, we've seen this guy operate and we, we love how he operates. We think that that would be a pretty powerful place to be, to be investing from. And good luck with that. Let's switch to our personal side any personal habits that are helping you to be successful? I do a lot of rock climbing in my free time. That was a big, big part of why I wanted to move to Colorado. I guess I rock climb in the, in the summer and ski throughout the winter. A lot of backcountry skiing, a lot of hiking. I spend a lot of time just kind of dangling from a wall where it is truly like, you know, you versus you versus nature. Nature, you know, while it might be an inanimate rock, you know, these mountains are in their own sense alive. They are environments. The weather can shift. You just got to be on your toes and you have to be receptive to what your senses are kind of communicating to you about the level of danger that day. You know, that's why, you know, when we go backcountry skiing, we're looking at the avalanche forecast, we're going out, we're digging pits, we're testing the snow, we're testing the mountain and getting data from it. So, you know, my whole life is uh, collecting data points and connecting them. When I finish a rock climb that I've been projecting for, you know, a season, it's normally because what I was able to do was I was able to memorize the sequence of how my hands and feet were moving for 200 feet of vertical space and choreograph that and know exactly how my hand needs to be, you know, how, how my hand needs to land on the hold, where it needs to land on the hold and which direction I'm pulling off of it, where my feet go next and then where my hand goes. Um, so coordination, effort, and then just a lot of time challenging myself, you know, constantly to do better. So that's why I love those hobbies. That's, you know, I've always had a great time playing sports in general, but I've really recently loved these kind of me versus me sports. So any personal learning that has played, you know, major role or massive impact on your, you know, whole life? I read a lot of just boring real estate books. Some of them are great. You know, obviously there's uh, wonderful writers in the space, but you hit some of them and it's just, it is just a textbook and it's like, I'm back in a college classroom, which I enjoyed it in different ways. But my favorite way of learning is to just be out there and doing what I'm trying to do. So the exposure with clients I've gotten to work with, you know, the questions that they ask, that's how I'm learning and growing most days is, and that's why I love real estate too, because you really just never know what's going to come your way. I wake up, I've worked with about 42, 45 clients now. I never know who's going to reach out, what they're going to need, and when they're going to need it by. And I love that. I love being on my toes. <laughs> and any books that impacted your life? Thinking on it, Barbarians at the Gate, Other People's Money, and The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Those are three books I've read over the last, I don't know, 10 years. I think I read Barbarians at the Gate in 20, 2015. Absolutely just loved that book. Just complex deal making, a lot of great characters, more about the emergence of the leveraged buyout in like the 80s, 70s, 80s, like RJR Nabisco and the story behind that deal getting bought out. Very, very compelling though, kind of 
it's the underpinning reason behind like what we consider value add in the, in the multifamily space though. So I, I really liked that. It's a lot of very interesting characters that the are the author does a wonderful job of you know building in your head oh and then a uh, power broker power broker is a, a wonderful book 1100 something pages took me all year to get through i bought a, a reading chair specifically to like help myself remember that i need to chip away at it <laughs> just i needed a, a safe place to go and tackle 20 pages at a time because it, it's just it's so dense it's an awesome book if, if anyone ever gets the chance to get through that thing absolutely loved it yeah thank you and how can listeners can connect with you Kalsa? yeah go to ember-am.com book time with me i'm almost always available i like to be as flexible as i can try to not put anything before 8 a.m for me i'm not a terrific morning person otherwise i can be reached to email colson at ember-am.com anytime just reach out love to talk even if you don't want anything from me just like to connect with people so uh you know reach out let's have a conversation awesome and thank you very much Carlson. thank you for sharing about amber asset management and also kpis and how exactly you know investors can benefit uh, utilizing this tool thank you very much yeah absolutely thanks for your That's the end of this episode of Multifamily AP 360, but we'd love to continue to help you on your journey. Head to ushacapital.com slash podcast to join our email list for more tips and strategies. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is Multifamily AP 360 with Ramakrishna Chunchu. We'll see you next time.